Welcome to Vaginas, Vulvas, and Vibrators with Jordan Donnell. This is a safe place to learn about women's health and sexual wellness. I'm your host, Jordan Donnell, physician assistant, women's sexual health educator, and intimacy coach. On this week's episode, we are talking about surrogacy, egg donation, and embryo adoption. March is Surrogacy Awareness Month, and I wanted to highlight these topics this month to bring more attention to them, learn a little bit more. I know a lot of people probably are not familiar with a lot of the terminology and kind of what everything is. So here today, we're going to learn a little bit more about all of those. This episode is our first episode in our series about infertility. Before we jump into today's episode, I have something super exciting to tell you guys about. I don't know if you've been playing along, listening along, but if you attended the Empowered in the Bedroom Debunking the Myths Masterclass, you might already know. But if you didn't, there's something super exciting in the works. I am officially launching my course, Empowered in the Bedroom, The Sex Ed You Wish You Had. We are covering everything from your body to your health to communication and your pleasure. It is a six-week program that is absolutely amazing. I am so excited to have all of you be a part of this journey, and I'm hoping that you are wanting to take that step for yourself and learn more about yourself And this would be a great entry point and a great starting point for you to help learn more about your body. If you are interested, you can go to empowered.jordandonnell.com to schedule a time to talk with me so that we can make sure that this program is a good fit for you. It starts the beginning of April, so you do not want to miss out. Schedule a time right away so that we can talk and make sure that we get you in this. I cannot wait to hear from you. I am really excited to talk about surrogacy and egg donation and embryo adoption on this episode today. This topic is so near and dear to my heart. I worked in fertility for almost uh, about a year and a half, almost two years, and I loved it. I absolutely loved working in fertility. I was very involved in the third-party reproductive process. I worked a lot with donors. I worked a lot with recipient parents or intended parents. I worked with gestational carriers. So I had a lot of experience with this topic. And so I'm really excited to share my knowledge with you guys here today. The mission of Surrogacy Awareness Month is to recognize intended parents, surrogates, and egg donors. So that's kind of why we're going to be talking about all of these here this month. Let's start with gestational carriers. And a lot of people have a little bit of a misconception as to what a gestational carrier is versus a traditional surrogate. So let's start with a little terminology there. A gestational carrier is a woman who becomes pregnant and carries a genetically unrelated child on behalf of another individual or couple, the intended parents. There is no genetic connection. IVF, in vitro fertilization, is used to create an embryo using the gametes of an intended parent or donor. And gametes are gonna be your egg and your sperm. 
egg and sperm are what are needed in order to create an embryo or a pregnancy. Now with traditional surrogacy, there is a genetic connection to the embryo, unlike with a gestational carrier. The surrogate uses their own eggs and they're fertilized by IUI, interuterine insemination of sperm from an intended father or sperm donor. This genetic link does have a little bit more legality and ethical complex to it, and it's not often used at this time. The use of gestational carriers has increased in frequency over the years. However, it is not universally legal or available. The laws vary state by state, and some countries even have bans on gestational carriers. Let's talk about a little bit about why somebody would want to use a gestational carrier. And there's a variety of different reasons. The first is if there is an absence or non-functioning uterus. So if the intended parent doesn't have a uterus or if their uterus is not functioning properly, that meaning that they're not getting pregnant, they're having failed IVF attempts, they're having failed pregnancies, they're having uh, miscarriages, recurrent miscarriages, recurrent pregnancy loss, things like that. Um, let me take that out. There are a lot of different reasons why somebody would use a gestational carrier. One of which is if the intended parent doesn't have a uterus or if their uterus is non-functioning. This can be congenital where they're born with it or it's acquired. So maybe they had a hysterectomy for some reason like endometriosis like we've been talking about or some other condition. There are medical conditions that may mean pregnancy is not safe for mom or baby. So something that kind of comes to mind for me is Kim Kardashian. If you're familiar with Kim Kardashian and maybe followed her story, you know that she gave birth to one and maybe a second child, and then after that used a gestational carrier. She had a condition where the placenta of one of her children was embedded in her uterine wall. And if she was to get pregnant, it could potentially bleed out and result in potential death for her or and or for baby. Some other medical conditions that women may have would be like some heart conditions, kidney conditions, or if they are high risk for preeclampsia, which is a condition that happens with pregnancy where you have high blood pressure. It's very dangerous and can potentially result in death of mom or baby. Another reason why somebody would use a gestational carrier is if they have an established inability to conceive or carry a pregnancy. So maybe they have multiple IVF attempts that have failed. Maybe they have recurrent pregnancy loss. So maybe they have a uterus, but they're struggling to conceive with it. Another reason why somebody would use a gestational carrier is if they're unpartnered. So if an individual man wants to have a child, he can on his own with a gestational carrier. Maybe in a same-sex couple relationship. So think of Ricky Martin and Elton John, they use a gestational carrier or other similar situations like that. Another reason to use a gestational carrier would be women of advanced maternal age or 
in some cases, women choose to use gestational carriers because the stress that is put on the body during pregnancy isn't something that they want to do, but they want to have children. So everybody has a different reason why they would use a gestational carrier. When it comes to picking a gestational carrier, this process is so complex, and I'm really looking forward to you guys hearing next week's podcast because we're talking with somebody who has gone through this process and used an egg donor, has used a gestational carrier, and she'll be able to give us more insight from that standpoint as to what it was like. But there are no universal guidelines for criteria when it comes to choosing a gestational carrier. To find one, you may use a surrogacy agency. Some couples will choose to advertise on their own, whether it's on Facebook, Craigslist, you name it. The process can take several months or more. I think something that we really need to point out is that women choose to become gestational carriers for a variety of reasons. One of the main reasons why women choose to become gestational carriers is to help other families fulfill their family dreams. Some women just really enjoyed being pregnant and have completed having their family and would like to continue to be pregnant and do that as a gestational carrier. So there's a lot of different reasons why women choose to be gestational carriers. I will tell you, for many, it's not money. Gestational carriers are reimbursed. However, if you look at the amount of time that you're pregnant, nine months you're pregnant, and you have um, all of the other appointments, process, you know, you're, you're doing injections, you're doing a lot of things to the body during this time that the financial money that you're making ends up being like a couple dollars a day. Somebody broke it down for me one time. And so it's really not something that women get into because of money. They have to really enjoy being pregnant or really want to help other people. Now, when you're looking for a gestational carrier, some of the things that intended parents are looking at or surrogacy agencies are looking for is somebody who has had a successful obstetric history. So successful pregnancies, uh, successful deliveries, low risk for complications. Their maternal age is about 21 to 45. The emotional well-being is also really important of a gestational carrier as well. One thing with gestational carriers is that this process is very cost prohibitive. The intended parents are responsible. So terminology, intended parents are the individual or individuals who are in custody of the child at birth. And these intended parents are responsible for all expected and unexpected expenses. They cover health insurance, The fees for the intended parents are upward $75,000. I've even seen up to $150,000 per pregnancy. That makes this process very cost prohibitive for a lot of people. During this process, you will need an attorney and you're going to want somebody who has expertise in third-party reproduction. This document is like a 45-page legal document. I've seen them. I've reviewed them they're intense they talk about every single little detail so 
when we get into our fertility stuff, we're going to talk a little bit more about the IVF process and the transfers of the embryos and all of that. But these women are paid per transfer. So if it results in miscarriage, there's, you know, you have it listed out exactly what they're paid. You have custody all listed out. You have everything listed out about smoking, drinking, sexual practices, can't get a tattoo during this time frame. I mean, literally everything under the sun that you can think of is in this document. And it's to protect the intended parents as well as the surrogate. And so there's a lot, a lot that goes into it. So you definitely want somebody who has experience. Something to consider when choosing to go with a gestational carrier is how much contact you intend to have with the between the surrogate and the intended parents. And this really depends on the relationship. So if a surrogate is a family member, you might need more clearly defined relations because this process is very involved. However, most gestational carriers and intended parents become very close and form long-lasting friendships between the two families. A lot of times they're there for birth, they're there for every little step of the way supporting each other. And so a lot of times that relationship is a very deep, meaningful relationship. Something that comes up when you talk about gestational carriers is the concern about the gestational carrier wanting to, quote, keep the baby. And that's where that emotional well-being is evaluated by a psychologist prior to starting this process. And the legal documents are created to ensure protection for the intended parents. And this is the same reason actually why a lot of uh, individuals choose to do gestational carriers rather than adoption is that with adoption, sometimes at the last minute, the woman giving birth changes their mind last minute about giving their child up for adoption. And so this can be, you know, adoption is also a very expensive, lengthy process. So for some individuals, they choose a gestational carrier because you don't have that same potential last minute pulling out possibility. Something to consider during all of this is embryo adoption. And embryo adoption is where an embryo is made via IVF, in vitro fertilization, and then it is adopted to someone else who is interested in it. This is really great if somebody has gone through the IVF process and they've completed their family and they have leftover embryos, they may choose to donate those or put them up for adoption for somebody else to use to complete their family or add to their family. Embryo adoption is a pretty awesome thing that has come out and it's an alternative to destroying embryos made via IVF. So embryo adoption is something that is available as well for individuals who are looking at adding to their family. And with embryo adoption, this is very different from a gestational carrier in that a gestational carrier carries a baby. In embryo adoption, you can adopt this and have that embryo transferred into the intended parent or into a gestational carrier as well. 
So it could be either or. And that's where this all gets tricky is a lot of this kind of goes hand in hand. You pick and choose these different parts that are needed for your individual situation. The next thing we're going to talk about is egg donation. And egg donation is near and dear to my heart. In a coming episode, we will be talking about my personal egg donation story. Egg donation is where a young woman chooses to donate her eggs for somebody else to use to add to their family. Egg donation is also called oocyte donation. Oocyte is the technical term for egg. So the first pregnancy from an egg or embryo donation was reported in 1983. So this process has actually been going on for a long time. If you think about that, that's what, for almost 40 years, this has been available and out there and happening. I first learned about egg donation. I was in high school and I had learned about it because I had a family member who had breast cancer and she had gone through the IVF process to freeze her eggs. And that's the first time I heard about all of IVF. And I think that's why fertility is something that I'm so interested in and I absolutely love is because I heard about it at such a young age and was so intrigued. I remember like talking about how if her IVF process was unsuccessful, her alternative options would be an egg donor in the future because after her breast cancer treatment, she wasn't going to be able to use her own eggs. And so that's kind of the first time I heard about egg donation. And then I got to college and I was like, oh, I really want to do this. Ironically, I had a girlfriend who did it and it, it was super awesome. And then I graduated college and I was like, oh, you know, like I still want to do this. And then I worked in a fertility clinic and I'm like, I still want to do this. But donating your eggs is actually a very time, I wouldn't say time consuming, but it's a very extensive process. It's not something where you just snap your fingers overnight, you got eggs and you're out the door. You know, there's a whole procedure that goes with it. And we'll, we'll talk more about that in at a future episode, but I was always interested in it. And finally at the age of 29 did it. There are so many different reasons why someone might need an egg donor. One of which is premature ovarian failure or primary ovarian insufficiency. So primary ovarian insufficiency is when a woman has partial or total loss of reproductive and hormonal function of the ovaries before the age of 40. So this can be decreased production of eggs, poor quality, essentially early premature menopause. Another reason why somebody may choose to use donor eggs is they have a genetic condition that is potentially transmittable that they are trying to avoid. So something like Huntington's disease is something that I've seen, cystic fibrosis, things like that. So there are some other reasons why you might choose to use an egg donor. Another reason why you may choose to use an egg donor is diminished or absent ovarian function. So again, your ovaries are not functioning at 100%. You may not be producing eggs. Maybe your egg quality is poor. Women who are over the age of 40 may consider to use an egg donor as well. And like I mentioned a little bit earlier, cancer survivors. So if a woman's had prior chemo or radiation 
and that's affected their ovarian function, they may need to use an egg donor as well. When they are looking for an egg donor, some things that they consider are age. Typically, they want somebody under the age of 30, unless you have known successful donations in the past. A lot of times, a history of pregnancy is something that they're looking at as well. They really look at physical health and your BMI, they want less than 25, non-smoker, they do a full mental health evaluation as well with egg donors to ensure that they understand this process and realize that there is potentially somebody who will be genetically yours out there. Some other things that they actually consider is travel history. So have you been anywhere where there was a Zika virus outbreak or I'm sure with COVID, that's going to be something that is brought up when it comes to donors as well. Any history of tattoos, their sexual history and their patterns, those are other things that are brought up. Choosing to become a donor, a lot of women, you know, there is a financial compensation for becoming a donor. You are not paid for your eggs because there is some legal ramifications, but you are paid for your time that it takes to do the process. Uh, You know, like I said, it's multiple appointments, which we're going to talk about in a future episode, kind of the time commitment that goes into it. But for me personally, I chose to become an egg donor because I really wanted to help somebody else fulfill their family desires. Like the thought of somebody else being able to have a kid and I was able to help them achieve that is just so amazing to me. So for me, like, it wasn't about money. I was not paid, actually, for my egg donor situation, which is something we probably won't talk about ever. But for some women, the money is great. But a lot of women actually do it just because they want to help other women. And it's amazing the opportunity to that you are able to provide somebody Overall, I hope this episode kind of increased your knowledge about different types of reproductive options out there. So we covered our egg donation, we covered surrogacy, we covered embryo adoption. As we come up into infertility week in April, we're going to be doing a whole series on infertility and discussing more of this process throughout there. But I wanted to make sure that we celebrated surrogacy awareness month and shout out to all of the surrogates intended parents and egg donors in the world y'all are amazing this podcast is sponsored by pure romance by jordan jones offering top bath and beauty products and relationship enhancement items by shopping with pure romance by jordan jones you are supporting this podcast check out the link in the bio to start shopping today Thank you for joining today and continuing to bring awareness to women's health. If you love the show, please subscribe so you never miss another episode and leave a review for others to see. If you want to see me on the daily, you can check out my bio for links to all my pages. Be sure to share this episode with your girlfriends. Thanks again and see you next episode.